It's a crossover. Yes, it's one of those. Oh no, not one of those. Yeah, but yeah, mainly because like the last time we did the, one of these, I had I, I, I had um, Jess, and Sebastian, one? and John read the read the comic beforehand, but well, Sebastian lost it. We're not going to go there right now. <laughs> hey, I got but, you another one. You know, it's like, when I brought, brought up he this, bought a copy. That's yeah, right. when I brought up this, when I brought up this subject. It's like John told me like you know what you might want to hold off on this because you know, like Jess and Sebastian might actually have something to say about this. Yeah. Might what is this subject? <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. I mean wars. Yes. Yet again. Yeah, I know. It's like I got to the greatest a... marketing empire in the Kong galaxy ever Indeed. created. Yes, and I have to. I think a bit come at the beginning to talk about that. Like how, you know, so if it wasn't for Star Wars, you probably wouldn't have this podcast to begin with. Actually, Star Wars, the film that both changed and robbed us of our lives forever. Yes, <laughs> changed our lives and subsequently robbed us of. I them. could have been <laughs> president, but no. Have you seen that chart of how Star Wars influenced all of movie making to be. There's a chart. Way? There is. There's sure. a line chart. Somebody had a, how was again, a chart about how. A oh, see, that's another it. person that was in his basement had more time than he didn't have no life. He had to create a chart. But it's but it's true. I mean, it most is. Of, it is. Like everything. Pixar gets its roots from Lucasfilm. How how many yeah. movies have used THX technology and uh, wait, digital Wait, wait, digital wait, 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 wait. It wasn't the technology. It was the. Uh, the influence on society. So you see, people, I don't even need to talk about to like, talk about Star Wars comics to get these excuse to go off. It's like, <laughs> I just read Star Wars, and these guys just go from there. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, but you see, for me, it's like Star Wars was actually the thing that got me into comics in the first place because, see, back in the days when I was reading like every single thing that came out from Star Wars, it's like I was reading like Kevin Anderson's. I'm um, Jedi Academy trilogy, and it started off with like this, this stuff about like, oh, Coruscant was like this war-torn battleground. Oh, no, the Emperor had come back. Holy crap! And did I miss something here? <laughs> and then I also found out like the um, the Star Wars Encyclopedia also made references to this um, series called Dark Empire, which mm. basically involved um, the Emperor Palpatine coming back to life as a clone, and, right? As a clone, of course. And enlisting Luke, Luke Skywalker as his apprentice. Uh, in order to, um, never take, liked that story. I'm sorry. I, I, now, uh, to be honest, how could that really happen? Because Luke faced the Emperor and basically told him to stuff himself. And, you know, Vader actually helped in the job. So how could Luke suddenly say, oh, you know what? That's a good idea now. I mean, come on. I mean, realistically speaking, within the Star Wars... You know. you know what, Sebastian? Ethos? That's a very good question. <laughs> I thought and so. And you know what? <laughs> now that you've asked like, that. On one hand, it's like no. this the series does answer that, but mm-hmm. does that also it it, it sounds like it answers that, but sidesteps the question as well. Uh how does it answer uh, and the essence of the dark side of yes. the forest? I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna pin you to the wall on this one. How does it answer and sidestep the question? Because well, she starts <laughs> off with like with um Han Luke Han Luke Han and Leia trying to um res- rescue Luke and Lando after the crash landed on Coruscant. And Luke eventually being um, captured by captured by the Emperor and enli- and, and enlisted to um, help him conquer conquer the universe. So he's saying mm. it, that shows all the stuff that his that, that his dad had all all the power and um, and um, presence that his dad had to offer. It's like saying you, you want this as well. Eh? But his eh? dad, but his dad ultimately was was a miserable was a miserable too. bastard, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what turned him from the dark side to the light side. Yeah. He realized that he could be something better mm-hmm. than than the Emperor's you know footstool. Yeah, on the so, one hand, like Luke, but the one brain reason Luke says he does this, uh, it's basically because like, hey, you know what? I can go and learn the secrets. Of, the Emperor says like, hey, you, know you can learn the secrets of the dark side, and eventually learn how to defeat me as well. And that's that's eventually what illusion why Luke goes over the dark side. But at, at the same time, he's also like um, feeding the feeding the Republic information, information as well. I think like, but uh, they like Luke. it's 
yeah, like, on one hand, I read, I read this when I was like, like 14 to 15 years old, and so like, it just rocked my world. Like Luke going over to the dark side, it's like the em- the Empire come back and take take it on the Republic. To me, Luke went through a period in Empire Strikes Back where he was very close, yeah. to going to the dark side. But I thought after Jedi, he was solid. I thought after Return yeah. of the Jedi, he was pretty much fixed. You know? I'll tell you one thing that's fascinating about this is that if you're going to tempt Luke at any point, it's when the Empire has only just lost its battle. Mm-hmm. You know, not later on when they're completely weakened, but yeah. where, where there's still a significant amount of... Yeah, but the, yeah, of course the thing is, is when the second Death Star blew up, the Empire hadn't really fallen apart. Exactly. There were still remnants of the Imperial Navy and all that. Remnants? Well, most of the Imperial Navy. Yeah, basically, Dark Dark Ember takes takes the point where um, parts of the Empire basically staged a stunning attack on Coruscant, basically taking the um, the capital of the galaxy back from the Republic. It's like, now it's it's a free-for-all. Who's got control of what? Well, Jedi sort of play the whole thing like a big chess game. Once you knock out the Emperor, the Mm -hmm. game is over. Exactly. Uh, There's still lots of pawns and lots of bishops and whatnot on the board. But you knocked out the king, so the game's over. Yeah, but the thing is, I, think, I was sounding a little bit implausible. The thing is, like, yeah. re, like going back and rereading this Dark Empire now, I realize like the you don't actually get a, lot, a whole lot of experience like looking at a lot of dark side stuff. You know, like we, yeah. we're told that he is like leading the Imperial fleet against against the rest of the galaxy, but you know, like most of the time we're also told he's also like feeding, like setting things up so that the um the, the, so that the Republic also has its own ways like like to take out. Take out the empire to like um, survive against this kind of stuff. Like when mm-hmm. the empire, which is it's world devastators, like these fact, like living factories, which can, which basically can suck up any material and make it into its own fighters against the Mon Calamari homeworld. Like he's also like Mon Calamari are the fish people, right? Admiral Akbar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a trap. Like, yes, they're, like they're the galaxy's engineers. Mm-hmm. But we more like squid people. Yeah, but in the <laughs> book's main feeling is that it doesn't Whatever. actually give show you Giant show betas. Luke doing any <laughs> real dark side stuff at all. I mean, he like yeah he's like it says he's gone over to the dark side but he's not actually like you know like choke choking bitches like dark, like like Vader did. You know? That just seems wildly inconsistent with the Luke that I've seen from Return of the Jedi. It just yeah. it just seems very out of character. Yeah, I, I don't also, care how tempted Luke would never Luke would never he 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 was willing to give his own life rather than go to the dark side. What nothing could turn him away from that. I, I don't. Uh, but the the thing is, hmm. I think is what I what also gets me at the end is basically after because this is one of the few Star Wars stories where Leia actually gets a strong role. Where she actually gets she winds up pulling Luke's ass out of the fire at the end of the story <laughs> well, here. She, she did at the end of Empire too. <laughs> so yeah, she's but, always there for ass pulling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but this case, but this is like she she basically like she she basically pulls Luke pulls Luke away from the dark side. And he basically says that he wanted to like, go experience this take. He wanted to know why his dad made this choice in the first place. What was it about the dark side that, that compelled Vader to to go go over there in the first place? For now, fun, grant, granted, this prizes. is made this is made before the prequel trilogy, so we know we, while we know exact specifics, there's something about like, you know, like Luke doesn't know like exactly why his dad went over the dark side. So he wants to know what was it about this that held that appeal. Cookies. Cookie. <laughs> yeah, you're reading my John, shirt right now. Hey, hey John, that, so. that's, John that, that's what's returned you to the dark side, okay? It didn't yeah. work for Vader. I'm, I'm really easy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, mm, fresh cookies. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's that, it's that kind of thing right there. Like, like the son wanting to know so why his dad, yeah. why his dad went over there in the first place. That, that, that kind of gets you right there. I mean, granted, like, I'm reading this now, and it's like, it... it I, to be honest, it, it holds up a little better than I was expecting. Like I was expecting to read this and think, "God, why did I like this in the first place?" But like, there's still there's still like awesome in here that that, that entertains. Like the I just the art by um Cam Kennedy, which 
doesn't go for the whole photorealistic um, experience like a lot of like other stuff goes for these days, but more a more just like you know I'm just gonna draw these characters in my style and see what see where it goes, and it works works really well. Granted, some people are like well like the, the style and the coloring and just go you know this looks kind of weird. But just pass it around, see how weird it is. Yeah. Oh, but, that's just too weird. No. <laughs> I I can't just look Wait, at it. Let me whisper this. I'm sorry. This is back in. I hey, this is like porn. <laughs> I believe it right now. Just turn to the other page. There you go. Oh, oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that's not too far off from the movie's production. So yeah. I mean, I mean, well, okay. Well, yeah. almost ten years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just over a, a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, but eighty-three it, was uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Yes. yes. Okay, well, not almost a decade. But basically, like it also stands as the most influential Dark Horses because Dark Horse has a Star Wars license, and they've done lots and lots of Star Wars comics. But this is probably the most influential. It, it did the Luke goes over to the dark side story before anyone else could do it, and you know, it kind of like sealed off that particular story avenue mm-hmm. before anyone else could go for it. Well, Jason, where are some of the other comics you've got of, of Star Wars besides Dark Empire? That okay. You... Well, also want to say that Dark Empire also spawned a sequel and a two part follow up. Mm-hmm. It's basically, like, you know, it's like, but those were like, well. Dark Empire 2 was well made enough like, to, be, to be enjoyable. The follow-up follow of Empire's End, which basically was made to throw, tie up all the loose ends that Dark Empire 2 left left hanging, where it's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, but okay. But the other stuff I've done, well, one of the things that Dark Horse also did was especially um, go into the backstory of the um, of the history of the Jedi. Basically, like, well, what were the Jedi doing before the um, before episodes um, 4, 5, and 6? And one of those was... In, was in was exploring the um, Tales of the Jedi series. Now, more than anything else, Tales of the Jedi is probably notable these days for carving out the time period in which um, Nazi Old Republic, the video game, um, existed in. This is like 4,000 years before the events of um, Episode 4. Mm. And um, to be honest, like, that, that kind of excuses their failings more than anything else. <laughs> because, okay, Tales of the Jedi basically tells, tells two, two stories. Stories of Ula Keldroma and his buddies as they try going on like a nice adventure, like to free, to help out this um this this world Onderon, which is basically um being being Wait, attacked. Did you say Alderon? Onderon. Oh, Onderon. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Alderon. Like, that's yeah. Leia's planet. Come on. Yeah, basically they're being they're being attacked by these um fugitives who have um, these these um like um, criminals who've been um, turned out loose in the wilderness and just basically come back to in order to attack the main city. Turns out the main city has actually been um under Sith under secret Sith rule for the past past hundred years or so. Okay. And so like, they've got to um, find a way in order to get, in order to um, take, take them out in order to bring bring peace to the city. Then you've also got the story of um, Nomi Sunrider, who is, um, she, her, her husband was cut down in, in like, in a trip to um, bring these um, Jedi crystals to, to, her, to her husband's master. Okay, now is this the crystal thing? Is that the Kyber crystal? Oh, basically, it's because um, that was mentioned in no, Spoon of the Mind's Eye. Now these are just like regular um, crystals used to make the lightsabers. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, so she's basically um, like help. She doesn't want to have anything to do with this Jedi thing after her husband was cut down, but then she eventually lose, learns that hey, you know what? I've got to um, I have to um, adapt to the Jedi way in order to um, save save my save my daughter, save my Jedi master, everything. Gotcha. For there, but then you get to the um, literacy room, which is um, Dark Lords of the Sith, which basically tells the story of um. Exar Kun, one of the um, sto- one of the characters from Kevin Anderson's um, Jedi Academy trilogy, and uh, and also Ula Keldroma's um, fall to the dark side. Now, on one hand, like when I was young, I really liked this because like oh, it's like light, light side Jedi's fall, light side Jedi's fall into the dark side. Ooh, that's cool. That's <laughs> forbidden stuff. Yeah. 
Then I read this today, and you know, I can see the uh, <laughs> like the, the story they wanted to tell versus but what they <laughs> yeah what they actually told not so much because yeah. you know it's like one thing was with the dark side though I can't tell you this is one thing where you when you're going to the dark side you can't actually see what's what you're doing like, you're making these choices but these choices you make like they're kind of like oh like I, I'm doing this for the right reasons but you know it's right. like. They're yeah. ambiguously Well, evil. that's that's the whole thing with Anakin Skywalker in the prequel trilogy movies. Yeah. Was that he turned to the dark side, but he did it, he did it for what in his opinion were the right reasons. He right. Wanted, wanted to protect the woman he loved, he wanted to protect his unborn child, or children in this case. So he's he did the wrong thing for the right reasons. His heart was in the right place, his head wasn't. So yeah. he made a Faustian bargain with Satan, who's the emperor. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's. I hate to say, falling to the dark side is really kind of. It's like the oldest tale in the book. You know, mm-hmm. it's good turning to evil is not really anything new. Um, the only real twist that Star Wars puts on it is like lightsabers and cool powers. Right. <laughs> yeah, and with and with the tales of the Jedi story, um, with Exar with um Exar Kun and Ula Kaldroma, Exar Kun was basically forced to the dark side because he has got this curiosity for what the Sith were up to. And basically leads him to the um, planet of Cor- Corban under this guy's under the guidance of this um, Sith spirit Sridhar Nan. Basically, he's forced to ex- to, um, to, to um, turn to the dark side under under um, Nad's Nad's discretion. And Keldroma is basically um, forced to turn to the dark side under the Sith poison that these um, Sith warlords are are making them take in order after they um, after he he tries to um, learn the secrets of the Sith in order to help the Republic. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, as I say, Sith happens. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. sorry, that just died. Wow. yeah. Okay, it, I'm leaving now. And then it just and then it just goes from there because basically, as his as his Jedi buddies try to re- re- rescue him from his from his failed attempt to um understand the, the secrets of the Sith, they realize that oh, you know, he's like he he's got to lead his own life, and we're just going to leave him there and like see how things go. And it's like that's kind of like no, it's like you. He's gonna like kill everyone if you leave him leave him like this. You gotta like he's he's gone over to the dark side. You gotta go in, pull him out, and just and just um like give him like like the force intervention type stuff. You know, force intervention. <laughs> yes. On, on yes. the next episode of intervention. <laughs> yeah, it's like that kind of thing. And then but and then you get to the like the final the third volume, which is um dark, which is the Sith War, and it's just that eh, kind of like goes down from there. It just seems to me though that the Star Wars prequels, the Star Wars. Comics, they all essentially tell variations of the same story. Darkness redeemed by 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 good. Good mm-hmm. redeeming darkness. I mean, that's essentially the running theme of all of Star Wars. Back mm-hmm. from Episode Four through the prequels, through the Clone Wars, all of it. It's essentially good. It's a simplest tale of good versus mm-hmm. evil and good redeeming evil. Uh, that evil can be redeemed in this case. Um, I kind of like that. That's you know, a very Christian theme, too. You know, all the crappy stuff Darth Vader's done at the end, he says a few nice words and he's redeemed. So, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's the kind of thing. I mean, basically, it's Star Wars, like, evil is very, like, to- done in very black and white terms. Like, there's the light is, side right. and the dark, and the dark side. side, right. And you, there's really no middle ground right there. Right. I mean, but when, as far as actually middle ground goes, I mean, like, the closest you can get is the stories told by John Ostrander. Ostrander, um, he's a veteran comics writer who's done, best known for his work in the 80s with on um, the series Grimjack and on um, DC's Suicide Squad series. I don't know exactly the exact reasons why he came to um, Star Wars. Um, could be just like he was looking for a paycheck. But he actually <laughs> do it, but he's actually done some really good stuff with the series over over the years and his starting with um, his work on the Clone Wars series. I mean, he 
he created this one character called um, Quinlan Voss, and he's his his job. And he was told by the um, Jedi Council at the time, like, okay, we're gonna because you've got like kind of got a checkered past. We're gonna have you infiltrate the society of the Clone Wars, and um, find out what and like basically be our spy among them. That doesn't go so well because <laughs> as you the further you go into the series, like like his his story basically like, shows you how you do a fall fall to the dark side. I mean, I've I've only read like the first five volumes of the Clone Wars series. After reading um, John Ostrander stuff, I want to read more because hmm. it's it's interesting because like he's because I asked Quinlan Voss like basically it works under the dark side. He like he meets up with Count Dooku, all the pivotal characters of the Clone Wars, and he's like he's tempted because at one point like he's brought brought before like some of his people of his old his old order, and like he finds out that his the person who was um overseeing them basically like ordered the death of his parents, and like Dooku is basically like yes, go and kill them because you know <laughs> they deserve your, they deserve death because they, they killed your parents, and he and he kills them because you know that, that's justice right there. But really, I mean, it's, it's like, revenge, not justice. Yes. And that's that's the kind of more ambiguity that you want yeah. from like falling to the dark side. Well, it's, it's, again, I go back to the, the prequels and all the other stories. You had Anakin killing Count Dooku. Now, was it revenge or was it just murder? I mean, or was mm-hmm. it just in his opinion it was justice? But then after he did it, he was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" You know, mm-hmm. you have that's that's one of the lessons of falling to the dark side. What feels right is not always necessarily right. You have to go with a higher sensibility. He was influenced what... by the Emperor. Well, of course, <laughs> that's yeah. why yeah. he did it. He was he was. Yeah, the emperor was clouding everything. Yes, yeah. and that's one thing I like about everything. And I got it. That's one thing I like about the portrayal of um, Palpatine in the Clone Wars series. Because like basically, when you see him in the series, he's just basically like the um, the um, the head of the Republic. I mean, he's just basically doing doing the right thing. There's no there's no hint at all that well, he's like um, that he's he, Darth Sidious he or anything. He positioned himself mm-hmm. as the yeah. He's, he's a classic manipulator. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's behind kind of, the scenes working the ropes and all that. Yeah, that's kind of like the, one of the fun things I like about the. Um, Dark Horse's Clone Wars series because I mean, like, you got the you got the the Jedi the Jedi Council is working to like to fight the um the separatist movement because like you know they're they're led by Count Dooku so they're obviously of the dark side right. but they don't actually like stop to think it you know what does like they don't actually stop to think outside of the box here they don't stop to think about you know like well you know like who's running Count Dooku like does the <laughs> does the Republic actually need to be saved is there actually like more like more to hear than what's going on. Hmm. That's that's like a, that's a nice moral punch for the series. I, I'm kind of curious. This is a little bit on. It's on topic, but it's off topic. Mm-hmm. The new Star Wars live action show that they're supposedly been prepping for the last I don't know what five <laughs> years now. Whenever that rolls around, um, I wonder. They, they, Lucas has said for the record that it's going to appear. Uh, it's going to take place between the time of Episode Four. Oh no! Excuse me. Um, episode, episode three and, and Episode Four. four. The, the twenty year span between the end of the Clone Wars and the, and the beginning of, of Luke and all that. But, now, is it going to focus more on the Jedi whole thing, or is it going to focus more on, like, a day in the life of Imperial officers aboard us? I mean, yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, bad, dro- bad droids, bad that droids. Ca- that kind of thing is probably going to focus more on, just like, it's probably going to focus more on the Jedi or re- rebellion side of things. Well, it's kind of cool. In the original Star Wars trilogy, you had Han Solo, who was, like, the agnostic surrogate, uh, because he was not a believer in the Force, he didn't believe in Jedi and all that. Mm-hmm. But he's he's like the audience in a way. He's cynical. He's doubtful. He doesn't believe in supernatural powers. In the in the uh, prequel trilogy, you don't have a character like that. Everyone kind of is down with the Force and believes everything mm-hmm. the Jedi say. And I found that kind of kind of sad in a way. And the 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 comics I've read are kind of more of the same in that everybody's a believer in this universe. I like to see more of the Han Solo doubter agnostic 
side of, of the Star Wars universe represented because there's got to be well, people who don't believe in the that, stuff. Like in the um, in like the uh, in, I in the prequel trilogy era, basically like, the Jedi were commonplace. Right. And then after um, Palpatine took over, then he just kind of exterminated the Jedi Order. They kind of like right. started um, giving be become part of myth. He also tarnished a reputation too. So mm-hmm. they they were not thought of as galaxy's great heroes. They were thought of as like oh this long forgotten thing you know from twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ancient religion. Ancient religion, right? So uh, yeah, I mean they had the reputation slandered a bit, and you know that. But I I kind of like the fact that Han Solo brought. He is sort of like the audi- audience in a way. He's a non-believer in a believer's universe, um, and I think this new show or new or new incarnations of, of Star Wars, whatever they may be, should have a little bit more of that. They should have more of the common man in the Star Wars universe, or the common person in the Star Wars universe. I would like to see something more like that. I think it gets kind of old seeing kind of holier than thou people who all have magic powers and they all like twirl around with lightsabers that's all very well for a climax or, or like the, the big setup but when that's like the beginning of your story you don't have many places to go up from there um i like to see the story of a, of a regular person a non-believer an everyday schmo living in this universe who comes into this universe and sees it anew um i don't get that when i read any of the i i used to read some of the star wars books i read you know i way back to splinter the mind's eye in 78 uh, I read the Heir to the Empire wow, you're trilogy. Old, aren't you? I'm very old. I'm older than dirt, and you know, there's like fossils in my turd somewhere. But um, <laughs> to make a long story short, I, it's just how the the new stuff doesn't have that doubtful, cynical, uh, non-believer element going for it. It's all like a universe of people who who crap marble. It's like this this universe of, of <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 a universe of of uh, of of people who are all supernatural and. I just don't find that relatable or as, as interesting as like Han Solo taking a look into this universe oh, or well, someone like him. Then Sebastian, yeah, like I said, I showed you this before this podcast, but you would, you, you probably would get into Legacy. Because basically Legacy is... Uh, legacy would be... Oh, 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 that's right. The 100 years uh, yeah. post... post um, Return of the Jedi. Post Return of the Jedi, right. Yeah, Legacy is um, basically what the Star Wars series that um, Ostrander started writing after... After he did um, the Clone Wars series. Now, this deals with Luke's drug-addled grandson? Yes. <laughs> this is, yeah. That is a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, this basically deals with like Luke, yeah, Luke's drug-addled grandson, Cade Skywalker, and um, how, his exploits in the universe after the Sith have taken it over. Now, mind you, this, is like, this time period, the Sith have basically formed their own order. You have one Sith who leads them all, and many other Sith who are basically following him in his... In yeah, the whole t- the, well, the the, the whole uh, taking over the galaxy with two uh, apprentice and a master did seem kind of stupid, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two yeah, people but to rule them all. Yeah, yeah. basically, this this, kind of, this series kind of takes the um, familiar Star Wars elements, I mean the Jedi, the Sith, the Empire, the Republic, and like, it, it's got all those familiar elements. It's even got a princess as well, only she's a princess of the Empire. Um, but it reconfigures <laughs> them in the different elements. I mean, basically, the the Republic is on the run. The Sith is basically the um, resurg they. Especially taking over the galaxy, the Empire is the opposing factor to the Sith because they've actually the, the Empire first... opposes the Sith. Yeah, the Empire opposes the Sith because the um they're the not em... ruled by the Sith. No, the em... the, em... the well that's a twist. Yeah, the ruler of the, like the Empire's it. Empire's um, ruler Rohan Fell basically hates the what the Sith stand for. Basically wants to have them exterminated. So is, are, are the Empire essentially good in this incarnation? No, not, okay, not, of... not good, but but they they are the ones you turn to when you're they're the they're the enemy's enemy. Hmm, interesting. You can forge an alliance against them. They're probably more about profit and things like that. So this this is one of those. Power. This is a case of oh, so the, the, the the enemy of my exactly. enemy is not necessarily my friend. 
Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, now I understand. Yeah, and Luke's, Luke's grandson, Cade, yeah, who, well, he started off as a good, as a good, like, following, a good good Jedi, like, following his dad, but after his dad was killed, after the, um... in Oh, so Cade was a Jedi. Yeah, he was, but then okay. he was, after he was, his dad was killed in the, after the, um, after the exodus of the Jedi from their academy, he kind of, like, lost, lost kind of with them, and basically joined up with a bunch of space pirates after he was rescued. After he was rescued. Okay, again, for the slow among us, as my, such as myself, the exodus from the Jedi Academy, the Jedi were forced to leave the new academy? After the Sith attack. Oh, Sith, okay, Sith gotcha. basically, like, um, like came, came at them in force and basically forced forced them out. So, so Sith happened again. Yes. Oh, and uh, Cade, basically, after, after he lost contact with the rest of the Jedi, he just basically came like his own, like a bounty hunter, and just basically went out in business for himself, just doing whatever oh. he wanted in order, in order to survive. They have that, um, the novel I read recently, uh, a couple well, a year or so ago, I guess it seems recent. Uh, it's kind of like a Vader Year One novel. Mm. Uh, what was it called? Dark Lord Rising, I think it was. Yeah. That was actually a pretty decent book. Um, yeah. It chronicled Anakin's first year as Darth Vader, and they had a group of Jedi who had gone underground, who were who were escaped the purge, and some of them had kind of become rogue. They fell in with uh, smugglers and such like that. They mm -hmm. they kind of had to fit in with the underground element to you know to get by, and I yeah this kind of ties into that as well. Yeah, um, I, I like that. That that was a good book, by the way. One of the uh, better nonfiction or uh, not nonfiction. I say nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Better yes, better yeah. non. I think it's non universe. universe. I think you're universe. getting Thank a little you. too deep a into the. Did I mention I'm going on like two an hour and a half of sleep here? So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, expanded universe Star Wars. One of the better expanded universe novels I've read, and I've read maybe around five or six of them, seven maybe at most. I've lost track of how many I've read. I well, but, Allison's read them all too, and she she could quote them verbatim. But I I lost track after the Air of the Empire series was decent, but I thought it was essentially as a big rehash. Um, you know, it just didn't have anything really new to it. Uh, even Lando running another mining operation, I was like, God, can we think of anything else for him to do? <laughs> <laughs> he just seems to have a knack for mining facilities. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, it just seemed kind of like a, a big rehash. They had another big space battle, yada yada. Um, the whole turning to the dark side and being redeemed again, that's been mm -hmm. done. Um, I, I, again, I just want to see a Star Wars story that doesn't begin with like people who are automatically empowered with the Force. It'd be kind of neat to go back to the early Star Wars, Episode 4 Star Wars, how it, the, the Force crept into the story, but wasn't there from the very beginning. I, I'm like, Episode 4, you watch it, and it's, it's a ship battle. You know, you have droids escaping an escape pod. They track, they find Luke, they go to the desert... Halfway through the movie, they meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he starts to tell them about the Force. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. But in the new Star Wars incarnations, the Force is accepted as commonplace everywhere you go. There are no non-believers. And I, I, I kind of miss that. The the cynics, the doubters, the Han Solos, the whatnot. The people who don't have the magic powers and, you know, jump 30 feet in the air. Well, you is know. there an explanation for that in that graphic novel you're holding? Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're not going to find a legacy, because basically it's basically about... <laughs> Like Cade, just basically like trying to rebel against both the influences of like the light side and the dark side. Uh -huh. He doesn't want to be ruled by either. He just wants to be his own man and not focus on like just like the responsibilities of either thing. That so, sounds like a good start for Sebastian's. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, yeah, it sounds like he he, he he sounds like me. He wants to get away from that whole part of the Star Wars universe where you know everybody twirls with lightsabers. Yeah, the main I think the main problem with get legacy, yourself a Wookiee kid. No. Yeah, the main problem with legacy. Basically, most majority of John Ostrander is running with the universe. So he's basically he's really good at like just like like telling you these ideas but actually like, as far as actually like, like showing them like not not so much I mean basically, like, you're kind of like 
like in the end, you're, you kind of like, you see the point that he's getting at. And you kind of wish he, he had a bit more subtlety in getting there. But <laughs> the, the ideas he's, that he's going for are more are very interesting. That you're willing to put up with that okay. in order to get to the end. I mean, it's like I'm up to I'm up to volume six right now, and I'm I've been enjoying it so far. All right. So it's like I'd rec- I'd recommend at least checking out the first volume if only to see if it's um, if it's for you. But like for stuff that doesn't involve <laughs> um, the force, yeah. well, let's see. We got. Um, we got Crimson Empire, which is basically the story here. of you know those you know those red guys in the red, in the red um, uniforms that you see in Return of the Jedi, the like, ones that Yoda took out with one little force push, yeah, yeah, those guys. Huh. Well, that wasn't Return of the Jedi, or not like, Re- Revenge of the Sith. Excuse me, yeah. of the Sith. but time. you know like those the Palpatine's <laughs> Imperial Guard, you know. Yes. Well, it's like Crimson Empire tells the sto- tells the backstory apparently, and would you be surprised to learn that you know they were forced they were trained on a, on a planet with the harshest living conditions, forced to kill their Kill the people they've trained with in order to um, attain the, the their, their guard, their position as guard of the. Joke. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the guard of Palpatine. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's one of those things. Like, yeah, it's like you I can just see. Like, is there a good benefits package to this? Yes. <laughs> Pay vacation an option. Yeah. Good retirement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Permanent <laughs> retirement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Crimson Empire tells the story of um, Kir Kanos, like one of um, Palpatine's loyal loyal Imperial guards. Who um, is basically laptop. Yeah, it's like one of um. If you say learns of, the, of one of the, of one of the other Imperial Guards plot to um like poison Palpatine's clones from Dark Empire, <laughs> and you want to like why are they referring to like some of the Star Wars comics here? Cause, well, because this is written by Mike Richardson and Randy Stradley. Yeah, and, and they would be. You know, <laughs> see, like you're probably yeah you're probably not going to know these guys, but they are Richardson and Stradley. They're basically, basically known as the founders of Dark Horse Comics. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Shows and my comic ignorance right yeah. there. Yeah, and well, Stradley, though, is also best... Well, Mitchell is basically the publisher of Dark Horse for all these years. Stradley's been their creative director and also the writer of the original Dark um, Aliens vs. Predator series as well. Oh, the one that started the whole thing. Yes. Damn and, them all to hell. Yeah, yeah, and let me tell you, like they approached the writing of Crimson Empire, both series, one and two, like like enthusiastic fanboys. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you just tell them, like, they're just like... They, they got the story of... Um, like the um, Imperial Guards to tell them they just go out of like just like everything everything you expect from these kind of things that like, they go they go for that I mean like yeah I got Kira Kronos team up, team up with these um like this um rebel like pocket of rebellion pocket of Imperial um uh, sorry Republic um re- rebels trying to um um expunge the Empire from their sector and like, you just you have the whole moral conflict right there okay. like it's and they also you even bring in like the um the Republic start super starter story. Lusankai, which I haven't even heard of since this. The who, what, where, the what was his name? Yeah, the Republic Superstar Destroyer. They were, if you no, you said you said Lu, Lu something. What was that? Lusankai. Oh, that. Oh. Yeah, it's like if you if you've read like if you've read as many um, expanded universe novels as I have, you'll you'll it'll sound familiar to you. But it's also one of those things that like you know why would they? You wish they'd pick up on earlier, but. So you have completely lost count of how many expanded universe Star Wars novels you've you've read. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. I've read I've read everything up to the uh, the second round of um, New Jedi Order. Novels. Now Lucas insists that all these are canon. I Pretty find much. that kind of BS because I mean honestly, how because the novels alone contradict each other left and right. I'm sure. Actually, no. Splinter of the Mind's Eye does. Well, yeah, that's because I was doing before. Basically, the modern age of Star Wars novels basically begins with Heir to the Empire. Okay, which I have read and didn't really care for. Yeah, everything <laughs> after that, they've they've managed to maintain like a reasonable air reasonable air of consistency with. 
So split in mind's eye doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it was like 20 <laughs> years ago. Right? I, remember, I remember going to, was it was a Walden Books back in 78, getting my greasy little hands on a copy going, I got the Star Wars sequel in my hand. I read it. I told all the kids in the playground, I, I, I knew what Star Wars was going to end. And they're like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, that, that, that's what we, I mean, this is, again, the pre-internet age. So yeah. bear in mind, you know, information was scarce back. We had Starlog Magazine. <laughs> remember that, Jess? It's <laughs> yeah. still around. I, are they? Yes. I thought they were going under. No. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. That's because, you know why? Because they're a niche. They're a niche. Niche. Fangoria. Starlog now is thought of as quaint, where back then it was like it was like our internet. The monthly Starlog came out. Oh, what's next? You know. Yeah, but I was like, with Crimson Empire, like I said, it's a work of enthusiastic fanboys. The sequel was more interesting because it actually focuses on more of the political intrigue between all the um, people who are trying to rule the Empire. But now, when you say political intrigue, I, I assume you don't mean like trade disputes over, <laughs> over shipping lanes and boring crap. No, nah, basically, basically, you've got a bunch of you got not? a bunch of Imperials who basically are trying to maintain control over what's left of the Empire yes. to the point where they've actually had to like, recruit um, alien representatives, <gasps> yeah, in order to um, Something maintain Palpatine control. Palpatine was very opposed to. Yes, he was kind of a purist sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Are they legal? Yes, they are. <laughs> they all have green cards. No. Yeah, and it's just fun watching them, watching them try to try to make maintain control, even as their their rule, like the house is coming down right, coming down upon them. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I said, it's 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 okay, but not not essential in any means. But okay. yeah, for those of you looking for like more of like for, stuff without the force, well, there's only one man you can turn to, and that is Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Oh yes, the character that rose to uh, rose to fame based upon. I remember. The first time I even heard of Boba Fett was 1979. Kenner action figures had you send off so many proofs of purchase and you got yourself a Boba, fiction, Boba Fett action figure. Mind you, at the time, Boba Fett wasn't even in a movie yet. He was in a, the Star Wars holiday special in, in, a, in a cartoon sequence. Don't, don't remind me. I'm serious. And yes, that, he that's, was. That, that's, all, that's the only appearance he made. And we all had such a boner for that character. We were like, <gasps> Boba Fett. But I'm a badass. He, yeah, but we didn't even know anything about him yet. And then all of a sudden, Empire Strikes Back comes out. And he has like three lines. <laughs> As you wish. You're like, uh, wait a minute. This is the character we were all salivating for? And Return of the Jedi. Well, he gets, had more than that. What's it worth to me? Well, in Return of the Jedi, he gets dead. sucked up by a giant, yeah. you know, dirt worm thing, whatever the hell it was. What, ever getting hit by a freaking mm-hmm. Han Solo by accident? Oh, I know, yeah. His, Boba his, Fett, his, where? His, his backpack Boom. going off. Exploded. I mean, again, so, so all that buildup, we, we expected this this Star Wars equivalent of like the Clint Eastwood man with no name coming into town. And turn out to get his, you know, he gets he gets whacked by accident. <laughs> that's why, he, yeah. That's what he gets for a life. Now, himself. but of well, course, he has see, a, he has a real comeuppance in the graphic novels. Now, wait a minute. Now, you know, that would explain <laughs> why the Empire stormtroopers were such a bugling bunch of idiots. Because they were copies of because copies. They were copies of copies. Because <laughs> you have to admit, through this whole thing, they couldn't even the shoot fear stormtroopers were a bunch of idiots. Right. They were. For, yeah, you're right. They couldn't hit shit. <laughs> and the only reason that they did what they did is because they had like a lot of them. Yes, really, <laughs> yeah, right. Numbers. numbers. They had numbers. H- hence and, the title Stormtroopers. And they had really right? big ships. Like, come on. Other yeah. than that, well, and it's funny because again, in the in the in the prequel trilogy, we saw they were actually good soldiers. But uh, like you said, but, but they made copies of copies. Also, <laughs> there were some errors coming in. Also, at some point, they actually started recruiting actual people in order to yeah. be stormtroopers. Well, the official answer was that. Eventually, they the Empire was short on numbers, so yeah, they started recruiting. Yeah. Well, I imagine the Clone Wars drained a lot of uh, numbers, 
But um, it's kind of funny because, again, they also lost their Kiwi accents, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at the beginning, they all sounded like uh, Jango Fett, who was played What's by a Kiwi actor. Yeah, now they're like, yeah. before they're all, Commander, over here. Now they're all like, you know, Commander, over here. You know, they became Americanized. Yeah. <laughs> they all got their green card. You know? yeah. yeah, but it's Sorry. interesting. Like, Sorry. Dark, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Dark Horse has actually like, exploded more with that as much as you'd expect, though. I mean, he's basically had, let's see, um, three... A couple, several one shots in one real miniseries. Does he have more than five lines this time? Yes. <laughs> basically, let's see. Uh, and Just most sure. like like the two series that I own are basically written by um, John Wagner, who has some experience writing it, writing um, Taciturn, um, like um, badasses, because he's also the <laughs> co-creator of Judge Dredd. Oh no! I didn't do that. Yeah, not the movie. Not the movie. Yes, which is called isn't that called 2000 AD or something? No, yeah, that you know that's, that that's, that's the uh, that's a comic book series that Judge Dredd appears in. Okay, but now there's a Judge Dredd comic separate there, from that. There's there's been a Judge Dredd magazine for years now. Oh, okay, never mind. Okay, my bad. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, and it's death too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and Wagner's like wrote on um, three one shots. Um, let's see, Bo- let's see, Boba Fett. Let's see, um, Bounty on Barcuda, when the Fat Lady Swings, and Murdermost Foul, which are collected. When the, when the Fat Lady what? Fat Lady Swings. <laughs> basically, this is this, they're collected in the, in the trip of like, death lies in treachery. Which basically has Boafet um, working um, under the, uh, basically taking orders in this one in this one hut in order to um, get, in order to um, improve his standing with the universe. Oh, okay. So basically, it's fun. It's fun seeing him take take on a, uh, take on like a supposedly in, instructable um, crime crime lord, rescue this one hut hut's wife, and then um, take on uh, arrange for the murder of this um, set of said hut's um, hut, um, father. No. it's it's fun stuff, and like I'm. Um, and Wagner, like he's been doing this stuff for years, so he can kind of like, write this stuff in his sleep. <laughs> so, and like, to be honest, there is a certain amount of a yeah, he's writing this only to entertain himself. No, oh, no. Type of type of appeal of this. That's but, what kind of scares me though. Sometimes you get writers who get so lost in their own, or or so, so in love with their own prose, that you just you get the feeling that they're 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 enjoying it while none of us are. <laughs> I get that feeling when I read a lot of these uh, Star Wars comics mm-hmm. that the writers are more in love with the material than the readers are. Yeah, Death Laws and Treachery, not so much, because, like, these three one-shots tell a nice interconnected story. The uh, um, oh, other cool. miniseries he did, which is, um, which is called, uh, I'm to called Enemy of the Empire, which you see, like, has, like, the high concept premise of him taking, undertaking a uh, bounty order from Darth, from Darth Vader, no less. Of course. Yeah, and um, he, basically, he, he, he's trying to track on this one, like this one um, imperial officer who basically a um, murderous superior and went off with this object of um, supreme importance, which we're not told about. Well, he, but, he offers a what? I'm sorry. Uh, this, this item of supreme importance. Oh, okay, gotcha. Basically, it turns out to be the head of this alien race, which has precognitive abilities. The head of, of oh 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 the okay. literal head. The literal head. That's what I thought you said. Little literal head of an alien. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, she like she's telling this telling this guy basically like exactly what what his future is going to be like. But it's this is the kind of future telling where. Like what she says is going to be exactly what happens. So they ripped this off from Jason the Argonauts, where they, they had the uh, the mast of Hera of the ship telling him what to do. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's like, and like, you got some you got some fun stuff with both at tracking them down and uh, taking out the people who who Vader orders to um, take take him out as well. But then you also have this like order of um, pessimists, where um, where this um, where the guy that Fed is tracking down is being is ordered to track down um, hangs out with. And they're just like, whoa, whoa, unto me. This is like our, our like our lot in the universe is is the most it's the most less. We are going to die, we're going to die no matter what happens. Okay. And it's like that's kind of thing. It's it's amusing for what it is, but 
like reading it now, I realize like, you know, this is kind of I've read um Chum Wagner's um Judge Dread work, and like this kind of like, comes off as like, oh, okay, this is this wouldn't be out of place in the Judge Dread universe as well. That's what makes me wonder that writers get a little lazy sometimes and they forget which universe they're writing for. Yeah, it's like yeah. on one hand, it's like I don't think it gets quite to that point with his Boa Fett work, but it's one of those things where it's kind of like if you if you haven't read his Judge Dread work, you're not going to notice anything. I have to be honest about the whole Boba Fett thing, even though I was caught up in it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand what the big, you know, boner for the character is. I mean, he doesn't. When you look at the series, the the film series anyway. He has almost nothing to do. He's little more than like a Star Trek red shirt, and yet he ha- he grew this cult following that led you know, to all this stuff. He's a solid badass, man. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's not that bad of a badass. Well, he gets they just killed. didn't they just didn't fulfill the promise of, well, that, of being a of badass. Of course, right. Was the problem? But even again, I mean, he wasn't a red shirt. I, mean, I, I remember when I, like, like, well, he, he died like one. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. Now, according well, to Ken, he didn't well, really he die didn't that die. way. Yeah, but okay. I mean, if you were like you know. Going by the films only. Taken out of the picture very unceremoniously. Very much so. But the thing is, he has such a a huge setup. I mean, I remember the figure. I went to a shopping mall once where uh, it said Darth Vader and Boba Fett making. This again, this mind you, this is before Empire Strikes Back came out. It was like a year before. Uh, Special appearance by Darth Vader and Boba Fett, and it's just two guys in costumes. You know, this is before cosplaying became big too. And we all went and went oh, trying to take pictures and stuff. Like I remember wasting like four or five Polaroid shots taking photos and it's just guys in the costume. You know, it's not the actual actors or whatever. It's just, but we didn't even know who Boba Fett was and we were still, we were still all, we were whipped, whipped up in this, in this lather over, over nothing. I saw Empire Strikes Back the following year and I was like, that's what Boba Fett is? I thought he was going to be a central character like a, a new Han Solo or something, but he was just, you know, he was, he wasn't that, that he big was just deal. the most successful bounty hunters. Well, yeah, I guess. And, you know, but, you know what else sucked? It's all those other damn bounty hunters that were out there on mm-hmm. their little platform. Yeah. Yes. And like, mm-hmm. they all just... They all went away. They all went away. Yeah. I mean, it was like... IGA and, was, and then he wanted, then if you wanted to know that story, you had to read... He was the, a prof. Uh, tells <laughs> the bounty hunters... Um, yeah. Story from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, but... I don't know. I guess to wrap, to wrap this up, I mean, to be honest, like revisiting all the Star Wars stuff... Hasn't been quite as painful as I was, as I was expecting. <laughs> That's painful. Yeah, but I gotta admit that these days it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> if I was gonna recommend anything, I'd probably recommend you check out um, Ostrander's um, Star Wars Legacy series more than anything else. Legacy series is your personal favorite. That sounds pick. pretty good. Yeah, because like even though he's just reconfiguring um, Star, like a lot of the familiar Star Wars elements, he's at least doing so in a far more intelligent way than Lucas did with his prequel trilogy. <laughs> That's not harder to do these days. Yeah, it's like it's maybe damning, damning with faint praise, but hey, I'm gonna buy um, Volume Seven when it comes out um, at the end of the year. Is so. anybody here watching the Clone Wars cartoons? No, neither no. am I. Okay, no. good. If you told me thirty years ago when I was a kid that I would be ignoring Star Wars on television when I was an adult, I would have thought you were insane. Yeah, but now Star Wars is beaming into my television every week, and I don't even give a damn. How sad is that? The state of fandom. In 30 years. That's the strategy Terrible. right there. But Terrible. It's justifiable. It's market saturation, for one thing. The Clone Wars. You know, it's so funny. When I was a kid, when I first heard Luke sp- or uh, Obi-Wan speak of the Clone Wars, very cryptically to Luke, and you think, wow, that must have been really cool. Well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> 30 years later, you're sick of them. <laughs> it's like, okay, you want Clone Wars? I'll give you Clone Wars. You have, like, th- what, two movies? Uh, two, uh, two or three cartoon series? 
graphic novels galore. You're like, okay, I get it. The Clone Wars were really big. Yeah, and to yeah. be honest, like, oh, the Clone Wars, like, Ostrander didn't write all the Clone Wars stuff, but, like, his stuff really is the best of it. Okay, well, that's But, that's and fair. to be honest, like, I got... I got the first five volumes of Clone Wars at Comic Con this year for half off. Mm. So really, that's and I got to admit, like, well, this this stuff is expensive. So I got to admit, it's like, check you know, if you can find it for half price at a convention, awesome. Or just like order through Amazon. There you go. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so really, it's like in the end, Star Wars. You know, it's like it's not as bad as you'd expect. Star Wars aren't as bad as you expect, but you know, it's like it's something you want to go out of your way to obtain. No, <laughs> not really. Fair enough. Yeah, and so on that note, we're gonna call this some second crossover cast, I guess. <laughs> like to an to an end. All right. Right on. Hi. Bye. Bye.